0: Hello, my name is Jack Oatway, and I am Count Strad Vanzarovich, and today we are discussing the newly released as of
1: Recording, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Yeah, so this is like the the cool thing that all you new kids are uh, are into. But I'm going to tell you right now, this has all been done before. What has happened will happen again. Your future has been foretold.
0: <laughs> yeah, it seems like the release of this book almost confirms the
1: the dreaded secular nature of. The yeah, Dark for those of you who don't uh, don't normally tune into podcasts, and have just randomly picked this one, and they're thinking, "Who are these guys?" Uh, my name is actually Jay Atway, uh and well, I am. you
0: technically are. Curse of I play. For some.
1: I, I run uh, a Dungeons and Dragons uh, ongoing game, otherwise known as a campaign, uh, in which there is a sort of famous vampire, uh, Strad von and uh, and his castle is known as. Castle Ravenloft, uh, named after his mother. Did you know that? Is her first name Ravenloft? Uh, She was Queen Ravenovia. Right. Then why is the whole domain, why is the whole place called Ravenloft? Well, so that's a very complicated thing. So the the original module that uh, Tracy Hicks wrote with his wife back in the 80s, based off their home Halloween game, uh, was called Ravenloft. Mm. And so then when that proved super duper popular and the folks at what was then TSR decided, hey, you know, we should expand on this idea a bit. Um, They, uh, yeah, they just called that whole Domains of Dread setting uh, Ravenloft. So Ravenloft was both the castle as well as the campaign setting. In the same way that we might use the campaign setting, like names like Forgotten Realms or... Uh, Greyhawk, or Dark Sun, or Spelljammer, or whatever. Mm. Gap- Gamma World. But this is almost its own world, if you will? Yeah, so, uh, you know, as a DM, you're free to tie these things into your game however you want. Um, I, If I have players who are starting from the Forgotten Realms who then get lost in the mist, uh, they tend to get lost in the mist in the misty forest that is just east of daggerford uh which is a bit south uh southeast of water deep this book attempts to get you to go throw out all the handbooks throw out everything you know this is it you don't need a player's handbook or a dm's guide anymore you just got van richten you just need van richten's guide. he's gonna so who's this van richten guy anyways well i don't know who is this van richten guy Uh, so it's a it's a name that's been used a lot uh in D lore going way back he he's a fictician a fictish, fictitious um chronicler of lore and interesting places oh. uh a bit like um volo mm. and or morgan canaan perhaps maybe morgan Kanan is more of an actual wizard um although i, I suppose in game, in game, yeah. Well, Tasha and Morticana are more of the same ilk, but in game, Van Richten's like an actual character that you know you can possibly befriend and fight alongside of. Um, but yeah, he he's had many books over many generations. He has guides to ghosts, guides to vampires, guides to all sorts of things in the past. That's all been kind of condensed mm. into one brand spanking new book that sort of updates and expands in some ways uh, all of the cool stuff that's been in, you know, previous editions of Ravenloft. Yeah.
0: And so that introduces us to this book. Yeah. As you briefly described, I will read the first introduction Couple sentences, questions it gives. A scream shatters the still gloom, and human shapes slip between crumbling tombs. The shadows reach forth. Do instincts and imagination conspire against you, or have otherworldly evils claimed you, drawing you into the mists of Ravenloft? And so, this book talks about new character creation options for people wanting to sort of play this sort of game, it gives you tips as a DM how to run different kinds of horror in your game as well. I think there's multiple like chapters on that and different sections sort
1: of what it focuses and, and on. And that's actually not a bunch of domains Not tried. totally new. Um, Ravenloft in the past all the guides have always been um, have always opened with an explanation on hey how, to how do, do I do horror? Yeah. Um, even Curse of Strahd um, the adventure starts with a little bit of you know what is it that makes a horror setting different in D&D than your usual dungeon crawls? Mm. Um, and a lot of it has to do with how you tell the story as a DM, how you, um, how you focus on details, how you describe the, the gloominess, at least in, in terms of Barovia, Barovia. Um, but a lot of these places are, are gloomy in the sense that they, they all sit very adjacent to the Shadowfell. So they all have a a despair, uh, sort of that, that runs underneath them, um, within the, the creepy horror elements sort of layered on top. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, this book provides
0: five different chapters of detailing things around that idea. First on creating characters. Second on how DMs can create custom dark Lords and domains, uh, as well as, you know, because they didn't give us us enough. Right. But if there's, you want to make your own.
1: There's like dozens of new domains. You want to make amazing. your own.
0: It's true. And we will be well, talking about some of Well, they're not so new,
1: actually. We'll talk about that a little bit. Maybe even a whole episode at some point where we go through future. domain by domain.
0: Well, it's just that chapter three talks about those new domains and potential characters and adventures that can be found in actually, the lands. Actually, I think
1: they've done a lovely job mm. of updating them. Um still at the same time drawing from the past. And making um, new stuff. Yeah. Uh, and and trying to, to help... I think DMs differentiate different stories, like genre spaces, um, which I think makes storytelling more fun, more interesting. I think if there was a mistake in the older editions, is that, you know, all of the domains of dread were a little samey, mm. you know, it was kind of a bit formulaic. You'd swap out the dark Lord and you know, a couple of monsters and you change the setting around a little bit and then three two, one go. Uh, yeah. It also gives many other tools to dms in this book in chapter
0: four or you know there's creating curses and making you know weird out-of-body experiences or making safe but suspenseful campaigns you know because always there's going to be that trust and boundary setting uh whenever running a-, a horror game like that also including maybe atmospheric adventure things to draw characters into raven fearful grip i mean that's just what it describes in chapter five on how to make monsters spooky as well as a bunch of new monsters that roam the domains of dread uh, and other dnd worlds there's also a letter from van Richten. we won't give too much if you want to have a look at the book yourself but i do want to have your first take on yeah. some of the new character creation options and some of the realms of dread i have picked that i
1: have so you know tickled my fans so because it's been a, a kind of hectic busy week and uh, as much as i'm so into this space i haven't actually read any mm-hmm. of this stuff in real detail. I've, I've sk- scanned a little bit, skimmed things. I've read i I've seen a couple of headlines from, from our major, you know, news sources on it. Hell um, of Lost Souls. Oh, I had, no, it wasn't them, but somebody else who wrote, you can finally fight a brain in a jar. And I'm like, dude, I had my players fighting a brain in a jar like two years ago, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. But now you can fight brains of jars even better. Yeah, probably. Uh, and I am just like to see at some point that the brain, when we get to that, if their brain in their jar is better than my brain in my jar. <laughs> well, we can maybe compare
0: those on a, a later We shall date. measure
1: brain sizes later.
0: Mm. But for now, you must make your character in this dark realm. And There's a bunch of new options. There's things on new lineages. If you've seen Unearth Arcana, much of this will be familiar to you. But there's new backgrounds, new trinkets, new subclasses, new dark gifts. Uh, and yeah, exploring your role in creating, you know, terror. Because often it's not only the the DM that takes the responsibility, but also players to become a part of the story as well. So it sort of talks to players about how to do this. This is like the the player's guide section of the book, if you will. So players, if you want your players to be immersed in the world, have them read this first before getting too deep into some of the actual spoilers for your, you know, domain that you're trying to run or, because some of them, I feel are like a little fragile, or maybe maybe I just haven't read too deep like deep into them. But like any sort of information
1: could completely disrupt the balance of everything. And well, the know, a, the thing about horror stories thing. and Curse of Strahd's no different as well. Like there is a um, there is a spoilers problem. Mm. Like uh, a bit like a if you go to one of those sort of like haunt Halloween style haunted houses, if you know where all the jump scares are, it's yeah. kind of like loses the effect um, so yeah it's, it's better sometimes if you don't know you know the story behind what's coming next mm. that it's more twists and turns And it's often the story than horror it's not just like oh hey and suddenly here's an ogre that we have to fight it's often the unassuming things that you yeah. come across that seem harmless but then you find out what they've been up to and that's the that's the terrible, horrible thing. Like you, you, you know, you open up the basement and you find, you know, somebody's being kept down there, chained up with a burlap sack over their head. And as you approach and you pull off the burlap sack and you're like, no, it's that one NPC that you just (laughs) could not stand to see there. Yeah. It's that moment. It's those sorts of moment type vibes where you're like, oh man, this is like a different sort of game of DD. Mm. and then you know a little bit of figuring out who the goodies and who the baddies are because it's not always so obvious exactly although i just you know i try to make i try not to make it so that it's always like the really nice ones turn out to be evil you gotta sort of like balance it out a little bit so they don't just go mistrust murder, everyone murder, yeah. murder hobo and kill everybody yeah i get that but also too. the fact that in most of in, in the way i run it my players have also come to recognize that the biggest, scariest foes in the game don't just attack and kill them straight up, but often offer them hospitality and savor the opportunity to mm. to talk to them, to boast of them, to explain to them yeah. in detail just how incredibly amazing their terrible, horrible plans for the future are. <laughs> right.
0: But in order to play such a game, you need to actually have
1: characters. To live in that world too yeah we we've talked about this before there's no wrong character there's only right characters yeah and this and if you don't build the right you character right you ways. can't play
0: that's right but if you follow the rules in this book you will be guaranteed to
1: have a right character yeah i although i mean it's it is possible to build a good ravenloft character without this book but yeah i've done it before we'll check out our previous episode yeah. on our swarm
0: keeper raven keeper keeper, raven keeper if you will yeah Um, but here's some quick rules if you're familiar with some of the custom lineage stuff from tasha's this will look very similar to you in terms of ability score improvements it's all the same with plus two and one to different things or three and you know others really it's other quick build stuff and suggestions and it's just to get the ball rolling
1: not super important i've homebrewed i've homebrewed a whole like vistani subclass Mm. because it needed a really good subclass or not, I mean, is, um, race and sub race. Right, right, right. right. Uh, lineage, custom lineage, essentially. The mm. Visani lineage. Because <clears throat> I'm also sort of thinking, while well, most of the time, everything we do in Barovia is like humans or maybe elves, that I'm like in the next campaign, going to like branch out and let let players do other races and we'll just kind of work out a way for them to be... Part of your Yeah, aim. they'll be a little yeah. less high fantasy and we'll find a way to turn them a little bit more... Spooky gothic, somehow, yeah. Yeah. Um, twisting and adjusting their looks and features a little bit Mm. so they fit the spookiness of it and uh, yeah I think that should be fun.
0: The thing I like about this book is that not all of the settings are gothic horror
1: there's many different kinds. No you're right Um, I'm very much into the gothic horror sort of setting of Barovia but Mm. it's not the only one in this game and I actually like that now as well Um, although I think some of them are kind of duplicates like I think ghost stories are kind of gothic horror but right. maybe don't have to be specifically they could you could change the, the it's setting like squares a bit. and rectangles you know yeah i guess uh so first in our new
0: race choices again if you're familiar with the unearth arcana is the dampier uh, most of these are, are fairly similar i believe to the original unearth mm-hmm. arcana but it's essentially half vampire or half hungry thing that's kind of undead technically you're you know not really living in something that is living like a half-vampire type idea, or a vampire, if you will. Uh, There's a list of hungers and other sort of things to get you inspired, but these are really designed for you to be, you know, some sort of edgy character touched by some hungry ravenous demon or vampire or whatever, right? Uh, In terms of the features that you get, oh, oh, also the thing I like is that it talks about... um, different, like, domains of dread about what this dampier could look like. Because not all domains of dreads have vampires, right? And so if you are to play this in Barovia, obviously you could be descendant of potential vampires. And Darkon, you could... It could this could be something else. It's There's other things like that. And a Akath, which we'll talk about later, is there's Jiangxi. Perhaps you have a cold hunger after an encounter with one of these unquiet ancestors. Um, ideas like that. But there's also cool images, things like that. Essentially, you get a faster walking speed. You get dark vision don't need to breathe you get spider climb and a cool vampiric bite the
1: spider climb bit is really quite powerful i Mm. I, you know people don't under people underestimate the value of being able to just walk up the sides of cliffs
0: yeah yeah it's
1: pretty crazy yeah especially if there's like you know a big scary vampire's castle at the top of that cliff yeah Mm. and they're expecting you to come in through the front door and instead you're like Yo, guess what i can just walk up the side of your cliff i always think this this kind of thing
0: could be fun with a uh long death monk type thing because the the natural fanged bite is a simple melee weapon with which you're proficient which mm. is also
1: qualifying for a monk weapon i believe I guess. Um, I mean, a lot I of know. people a, a lot of idea. people work really hard to try and find ways that they can put like their crazy you know smite into their bite or their whatever to sort of up the damage numbers um i'm i'm totally fine with however you want to do that and i'm even i'd even go as far as saying look if you want to make a rogue and add your you know even though it doesn't specifically say that it's a finesse weapon i'd be like whatever just do it, it you know build this vampire in the scariest way you think you can um and then we'll just work it out in game after that and yeah, exactly uh, i i'd say i'd say I wouldn't worry about being in, if you run, I think if you run these horror settings, um, if you run them differently than your normal D and D campaign, so that you're not, you're not just mechanically thinking, you know, how do I do the most damage all the time that there's things that kind of hurt you way more than death, uh, Mm. in this game, there's things that are, are far more dreadful than, you know, those sorts of things. And in fact that the idea that you are now a blood sucking vampire is going to prove to be well, half blood sucking. Sure. But I mean, it, it, I promise you, I'm, I'm letting you do all these amazing things because after you've drank blood a few times, you're going to find all those other little vampire problems start cropping up like in Barovia. You can't enter a building unless you've been invited into one. Mm. And things like that are going to start happening, and you're going to have like disadvantage in sunlight. And running water is going to be a thing, and all of that stuff's going to start to creep in too. Because hey, why not? You're becoming more of a vampire.
0: Yeah. Well, what if you try to
1: neglect it? Perhaps other issues start to hey, arise. Good times. We should have fun with this. <laughs> um, so, anyways, I don't want to take player agency away. In fact, I'd like to, you know, empower people to do stuff. But I think if you're going to play in my games, you've also got to accept that there is, there is going to be you know, these dark, you know, there's trade-offs, dark bargains, right? Right. The bargains are often, they often seem great to begin with, but then later on you will find that, hmm, hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe it kind of sucks actually. Well, there actually are dark bargains to be held.
0: Yeah. Um, which I actually quite like. Yeah, I do too. I mean, that's in that's in a a a, I mm. mean, that's
1: mean, always been a bit of a part of Curse of Strahd anyhow. Um, so now, to expand and codify that is, is really cool. It's pretty cool. Moving on to Hexbloods, more hag-like, perhaps more fey-touched in a certain yeah. way. Look, uh, I'm I a big like fan them. of witches in Barovia. Um, mm. I, I play a wide selection of, of witches. I don't think witches are just hags. I think right. witches are, can be a range of of humanoids Certainly. that, for whatever reason, um, in my Barovia, they, they're often women who are misunderstood More men well mostly women um who because the, the story in barovia it, it rules is written and then expanded by you know my own storytelling um is one that draws attention to how frequently again and again in history of barovia that women seem to be sacrificed you know, either to stop Strahd or in the course of Strahd's, you know, falling in love with them or just various things that go on. And so for me, the, the covens of witches are an empowerment source for the women who often don't have, have anywhere else to go. They find a sisterhood um, that makes them stronger. Then that actually becomes a, a faction uh, in, within Barovia that they, uh, mm. they're out there in many ways fighting for for other women right it's interesting yeah
0: specific usage of wish. i mean i wonder how that could apply to other domains
1: of dread per se but fun thing to consider but those those characters those those npcs now in my mind aren't are or some of them at least might mm. be hex bloods yeah potentially and as a hex blood
0: you gain the Fey creature typing. Oh, I also should have mentioned for for Dampiers. Oh, no, Dampiers are just a humanoid now, not a mixture. Because before in the Unearth Arcana, they were mixtures. But now. Yeah, they were like half undead or something, right? Yeah, now they're just humanoids. As if you're a Hexblood, you're a Fey. Uh, you gain 60 foot dark vision and. Yeah, that kind of pushes them more towards being hags in a way, which is sure. unfortunate, but and you get an eerie token. I don't think you have to. It's just dark vision, yeah, just yeah. fae, anything fae touched really. Um telepathic message. You can essentially cast sending or look through it. Um and you get disguise self and hex once per long rest and you can choose which ability you want to cast them with, which is kind of fun. Um but it's quite it gives you some fun sort of options. Strength
1: <laughs> what I'm a strength caster strength cast?
0: no 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 strength casting our, you said
1: I could choose what ability to cast them with no
0: it has to be intelligence wisdom and charisma oh oh I see um, I usually that's what that is unless you're our new revised wrong. sorcerer I'm gonna
1: be a strength caster
0: mm. and there's also rules on becoming a hag if that is what you choose to want or hey, in some situation some
1: of the most powerful villains in Barovia are hags so there's that
0: hmm it's very very true uh and you get some of their powers which are fun and i like the way that they often tie into some other realms i'll talk about tepist in a moment also maybe this will be slight spoilers on each of these domains of dread once we get into them i didn't yeah i think that, we may have maybe, to do like
1: a a spoiler alert dm's only beyond this point but even yeah, maybe, then you yeah, you, I don't you, know. you do want to okay, okay, we'll, with we'll let you caution um
0: but yeah uh fun race or at least lineage, if you will. I think they're sort of designed where you could theoretically pair them with other things since it's like you can replace a race with this lineage and you can keep L- like any skill proficiencies gained from the race or flying or swimming speeds, but you lose other things about the race. And instead, or you can like forego those and gain two like, skills of your choice. So if you're a Aarakocra, you could be a Hexblood Aarakocra, lose your talents, but you get- keep your flying speed, I guess, interesting. Uh, And then finally, the Reborn, uh, who are, I think, the most versatile, which can be sort of like created as like Frankenstein's monster all the way to, you know, reincarnation type stuff. Mm. I think they're very versatile. Curse Strahd
1: has a a Revenant NPC. Could be Revenant. Who is basically keeps popping back up in either his own or somebody else's body um, and continues to try to attack and kill Strahd. Mm. Um, which which is kind of a lovely funny sort of I mean there's always somebody out to get Strahd I suppose, but the fact that this is like one Revenant spirit that just won't leave him alone that just keeps coming back and keeps coming who Strahd's had to kill like so many times
0: yeah it's that's sort of a fun I- <laughs> funny idea I mean maybe this could be the Reborn with the new rules um, I think it's I like that it's super versatile but again you could go that Revenant undead hunting down something maybe that's a fun sort of inspiration for the character I love the art here too Um, with like even phantom limbs or sort of reborn you know style or something like that there's certain faded the idea is also that there's like faded memories that maybe you're connected to some other creature or something in your head or there's something funny going on mentally as well
1: I'd be fine if a, a player wanted to be a revenant with this sure you know not like a proper full on undead but I guess they kind of are in a way That they're going to, you know, they're going to have this, I like the idea that they're on a mission, that they are on this, like, I've been wronged by this guy and I am not stopping until he's dead. And even if that means I have to die a thousand times, I'm going to keep going. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it also, this
0: one has connections to other potential domains of dread, such as LaMordia, which I'll also talk about in a moment where... You could be a creation of a specific person they have.
1: It's a lie Yeah they
0: have a specific will for you or something that they want you to do, which is kind of fun. Uh, you are still humanoid though. You can choose which size you want to be. You get a 30 foot walking speed uh, and you have a
1: funeral.
0: A deathless nature um, which you have advantage on saves against disease and poison and resistance to poison damage. advantage on death saves, no need to eat, drink or breathe, and no need to sleep. Uh, you can finish a long rest in four hours, which is also very which nice. Is exactly like an elf. You retain consciousness during this time while, while exactly you're sleeping. Exactly you know? like an elf. Pretty or much an emotional
1: warforged. Mm,
0: yeah, I mean, this is closer to warforged than elf for sure,
1: but it's a way to like eberronize it a little bit and make it yeah. more well. And you know, actually, for something anyone. you said earlier as well, like how some of these stories could take place in other places. The idea of doing like a ghost story in Eberron. Mm. actually really appeals to me as well sure um i think that could be a really interesting combination of ideas yeah yeah definitely
0: and finally knowledge from a past life where you can i believe once per long rest or actually no a number of times you get a proficiency bonus per long rest you can add a d6 to an ability check you make so makes you a little bit maybe more skillful as well just kind of a fun feature but that sort of connects the idea that there's faded memories from long ago, you know, that sort of haunt you in a certain manner, which is sort of fun. So how do you feel about these new character creation options in terms
1: of just new lineages? Well, I guess, I mean, they're not totally new. We've talked about these, right. like when they were in the UA format before, and I guess, you know, maybe with the amount of time that's gone by and the amount of campaign that I've run, and as I'm looking forward to sort of getting a second uh, Curse of Stride campaign off the ground after this one finishes. Um, I'm actually really good with these and I like the idea of lineages more than races now as well. I like the idea of where we're going with 5e Mm. and the idea that we, you know, we, we're thinking more than, than just, you know, what's my DNA, but what's my story. Yeah. And, you know, looping back to our, you know, create the right character sort of thing, if you are thinking, oh, one of these sounds really good and you got a DM, say like me, who knows their campaign setting really well, say to them, hey, how do I make, I wanna make this character fit in to the story. Mm. Um, immediately I'd be like, oh, okay. Um, what do you think about, you know, what do you think about being a well-to-do lady of Wallachie? And you'd be like, oh, yeah, I could play that, upper crusty sort of thing, who's got a hidden vampire side to her. And I'm like, okay, if you're good with that, then I know how you're going to fit into the story. I know how you're going to be, you know, Mm. the the secrets you're going to know that nobody else is going to know. And I'm, you know, how we're going to, you know, loop you into the, the, the major tragedy that's, (laughs) that's brewing in the story. And I think that's, I think that's really, uh, I think that's the, the, the subtext in Van Richten's and it's, it's one of these things I think it's hard to, hard to explain to new DMs. Yeah. Um, how do you, how do you focus really on the, the story in horror unless, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's still going to be combat. There's still going to be, you know, mm, exploration and adventure. Yeah, and- but ex- exploration and social interaction are a huge part yeah. of, of how this is going to go. Uh, and then not only that balancing horror and trying to figure my, that out My social too, interaction is, is a range of of bad Russian, Eastern European, and sometimes a little bit French or Italian-y sounding accents. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> my Barovian is a muddle of all of those things. But that's the cool thing about Barovian is that it's its its own accent. And so no matter how I messed up my accent is in our real world, as long as it's consistently messed up in Barovia, it's good. Right. Yeah, I mean, that takes the pressure off in some way, not to perfect the Barovian. Although accent. I try to have like different ones. I try to have like there's like sort of a Ooh, formal one, and, uh, the and they, man. you know, and then there's also the sort of like the 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 mm. people who aren't so you know well educated. They miss. They skip a lot of words. Right. It, right. it gets a lot more Borat sounding.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah do you what, what's your take on humor
1: yeah well i mean this is i mean it, it comes up in places like that it comes up in spots like where the accent is it comes up in um it comes up in little i find like little uses of irony mm. quite good i chris perkins was the author behind the curse of strad stuff and he's got a particular sense of humor when it comes to puns and there's a lot of them. And maybe those puns go back farther as well. I, I'd, I'd have to do the research and see if they're really there in the first module or not. Maybe they're Tracy Hickman's, uh, but there's some, <laughs> some, sometimes I think you've got to watch the humor, right? Yeah. Like humor bouncing out against horror is really good. To have some laughs will then make the scares better. If you are just scare, scare, scare all the time, people get a bit numb to it. Yeah. So you need to sort of let it, the pendulum sort of tick tock swing back and forth. Um, but I find that if it's, if it's groany sort of like dumb humor, then, and one of the worst in Curse of Strahd is the names of the, the, the name of the really great champagne that is no longer being produced, you know, champagne de stomp is like, it's just bad. <laughs> like they could have had any sort of like, you know, nice name with it, but no, uh, it's just... So, I mean, hey, change it for your own. Yeah, day, yeah. Right? I recommend you. Everybody does. You should. <laughs> <laughs> Moving
0: on to something else, fun for character creation, perhaps that I uh. was not released in
1: any Under Arcana, to my knowledge, is the new Dark Gifts. Yeah, and one, and I liked our gifts. the The idea that there there's a bargain, right i mm. I think that, um, I think it's fine to give. To give these to players and not tell the whole party, right? Right. I think one of the keys to dark gifts and dark bargains are how personal they are. And if you're doing that at a full table, then you go and you leave the room with that one person. You guys have a conversation away from the table, and you come back and you speak nothing of it ever again. Um, or if you're doing it online, you switch to another one-on-one channel and you come back. To right. The room. Right. And a lot of this sort of stuff, um, it sows a little bit of distrust. Yeah, <laughs> amongst your fellow party members. Um, but then, if they all, as they all kind of get their turns at it, uh, it can be quite good. And then, you know, suddenly that you've got this new power and this new thing you can do. And then, everyone at the table is like, "Hey, where'd that come from?" And then you're all cagey <laughs> about where it came from, what's going on, and that's actually again this is this adds to the story and to the effect at the table um it, it because it, it matters less how powerful you are and matters more how you freak everybody else out
0: <laughs> yeah i mean it gives quick rules and guidance on how perhaps a character would attain such a gift they recommend it from the start but again it could be awakened part way through um the story you know as It says, they're intended for starting characters, but characters who don't choose one might be presented with opportunities to gain dark gifts as their stories in desperate circumstances unfold. So what are some of these dark gifts? Well... There are dark bargains, which a DM might have a mysterious force intervene and offer dark gift whenever a desperate or thematic instance presents itself, such as in any of the following cases. A dark lord will negotiate with a party only if a character seals the deal by accepting their dark gift. Time stops while a character is on the brink of death. A mysterious voice after, offers to save the character's life, but only if they accept its dark gift. An experimental or magical accident goes wrong. The DM allows a character to accept a dark gift or some other peril as a result. The, a character breaks a vow or suffers a curse. Perhaps they... Break an oath with a, or like break the terms of some, sure, paladin oath or warlock pact or something like that. Getting a dark gift as a result, a character touches a mysterious amber sarcophagus, and a force within uh, entreats them to accept its influence. In Which is how gift. it
1: works, in the amber temple, baby. <laughs> there's but, actually, I mean, I'm, without going through them all, because uh, there's quite a bit here to sort of okay. touch on. We can do a separate episode on Ooh, cool. on maybe specifically about. Them, but I wanted well, to mention not that much. Ben, all right, go quick- we can go very quick. quickly through them. The one, uh, maybe out of order here, though, starting with uh, the the Mist one. Mm. Um, it basically gives you Misty Step, and you know, uh, the idea that, but it's the idea that you're sort of able to move through the mists. And and this is actually something that, in my Curse of Stroud game before this all came out, there was a boon that you could get that gave you Misty Step. But it didn't come with the negative drawback on this show I quite like. The negative drawback on this—they're calling it much like it, the Vistani curse. It is. Curse, right? It is right. It's called poisoned roots, and it's what used to be called the. There's another name for it. I can't think of the Vistani word for it, but it it in in the common tongue it translates roughly to static burn, and hmm. the idea that that if you remain stationary for too long that you would effectively lose your Vistani powers um and become Mordu, the living dead um and this one's a little bit different in fact because if you remain it's actually not too bad it's like you, you can say remain there for weeks you your yeah, con mod. For weeks within 10 mile r- radius um but that's like that's a long time weeks right right i'd almost make this this is more fun if it was days well, that makes having a campaign in one setting
0: very hard. Well, no, ten miles—you can well, move ten miles. Some settings aren't very much bigger than ten miles. Yeah, but well, you
1: better. But you're right. If you're in a, a dungeon crawl and you're going to spend more than days I would not doing the dungeon, consider playing this sort of. How character? many days are you going to spend in a dungeon? You're going to run out of supplies at some point. Like so it's not like there's stores down there.
0: Well maybe maybe there
1: is maybe, there is. maybe you, don't um, you succeed on a dc 15 constitution saving throw or you gain one level of exhaustion that's a fun one that's more like but that's after each long rest so shifty, worst traveler. case scenario is um mm. so you can remain in the area for a number of it says weeks if we change it to days it wouldn't be that bad equal to your constitution modifier so yeah i suppose if your constitution modifier is only like plus two two days doesn't seem very long um mm. before you have to start making saves you really would have to start moving along um much more quickly but yeah
0: i going through some of them quickly if we can as well i like soul echoes it can be kind of like there's some sort of ghost you know inhabiting your body or something inside your head or your reincarnation stuff impacts it or your swap souls with other people or things like that could be fun again backgrounds for sorcerers as well i think this makes me want to play some sort of dark
1: twisted sorcerer somehow yeah, um, and it, with it's, extra a, ease, it's it's languages got a little table that you get to roll on. Uh, yeah, all of them, uh, most that, of them have then, tables. That then is sort of like, you know, immediately after you make an attack, roll an ability check or a saving throw and you roll a one, then suddenly like, you know, if you nat one on this, you have these like effects that sort of pop up. Like memories and sensations overwhelm you, and you're incapacitated until the start of your next turn. So, yeah, it's or suddenly you can re-roll that ability check or suddenly, like, like suddenly, that. yeah, crit fails could be quite, quite a bit more crit than they were before. Yeah. Um. So yeah, interesting. Some interesting tales on that one. I actually, I guess that's the thing. Like, I zoom in on each one of these. On what are the drawbacks? What are the what are the things that then, as a DM, I get to the strings I get to pull and how do we blend that your character into these sort of darker bargains. Mm. So gathered whispers, uh, which gives you like, you know, message,
0: uh, message. And you can add your proficiency bonus to AC. It's like different spirits. Maybe it's like old spirit council of your ancestors speaking to you or a sibling i don't have shares my body or you know alien intelligence intrudes upon my thoughts there's other
1: sort of things and this one's also a, then if you nat one on it. this one you some bad stuff it, or good stuff it's not that know? bad like you're deafened by voices for one minute which actually could could be bad maybe yeah um for a minute though but or if you're if you're you four, four you basically get free free augury chance which although is, it might be a little
0: weird timing like you miss an attack roll. It's like you're in the middle of fight any questions <laughs> hey what do
1: you think's going on right now? And you're like, oh, should we run? Uh, the yeah. living shadow one's kind of fun as well. Uh, that, that comes from a little piece, um, mm. in, uh, curse of Strahd where you get into castle Ravenloft and it's possible for one of your shadows to detach and, actually start to attack and kill you well this is less attack and kill you i mean it can get a little out of control but but. i still love the idea though that Mm. and it's something really creepy when suddenly your shadow detaches from you and runs off that's a bit like and suddenly you don't have a shadow when you're walking around that's just like what is that that's so weird again if you find it and mm. see it again and you're like where are you going and if it's suddenly leading you somewhere (laughs) and you're chasing it and you're following it and wanting to get it back and it leads you into like danger that's like hmm thanks Mm -hmm. shadow (laughs)
0: yeah i mean you could do that as a dm you know cause different character tricks from there i do love
1: it basically the idea gives, it of gives the shadow you shadow strike and,
0: uh, and an increased reach by 10 foot if we pair that with our cavalier bugbear a shadow bugbear cavalier yeah
1: suddenly its range of attack is greater than a longbow
0: <laughs> well maybe not that far but pretty far uh i, I love this idea though with a shadow monk who is doing all sorts of unarmed strikes that then crawl with the shadows? Is there claw, fist, you know, maul enemies and things like that? Especially good for increasing the
1: reach on your unarmed strikes as well. Could be quite fun. And the bad stuff on this is like not that much. You kind of nerf some damage if you, yeah, crit on it. So it's, that one's not as interesting. It I can think. help or detract as well. But there's an ominous will. I don't think it's
0: kind of interesting. Mistwalker. Again, we've talked about that one. Second skin is like a uh a catch-all for lycanthropy you know aberrant sort of alien stuff fey stuff metal machinery stuff and, and or... the
1: involuntary change on that is
0: lovely yeah um, and also the catalysts on it there's no real like indeterminable what happens like you know you turn into something as through the altar self spell yeah, yeah. which is always felt like it's been built for Lycanthropy or something like that from the very beginning so it makes perfect sense to me and the way that you can actually do different things and actually leaves a mark on you um, afterwards
1: I think is also kind of fun I, I like the idea of this as well like for maybe a cleric character who uh, and tying mm-hmm. into the Quasimodo story idea a little bit in uh, Chris Straw we also have a, a a homebrewed race based on the mongrel folk in that story yeah. and so if you uh if you hear the ringing of your church bells, you have to to make your you know charisma saving throw or uh, suddenly you transform into your yeah. mongrel folk version of yourself. Well, that's yourself. literally what it is in this book. It's like DC 15
0: charisma save where you force alter self. Yeah. Based Just, on one of the catalysts fun. is the sound of ringing temple bells. So I think they had that idea going into mind. Some other ones include... Symbiotic beings, which I think is sort of fun. Maybe a little different. Could be feel similar, but I feel like it's it's fun the idea that there's there's another creature with you. That could be your warlock patron very much so as well. Uh with the entwined existence and I think you get extra languages and skills, I think, as well. Uh, sustained symbiosis. When you fail save, you can yeah. expend your hit die. Ooh, fun hit die mechanics and add the number of rolled to the save, which is sort of fun. If you use this feature in a death save, you succeed on the save and regain one hit point.
1: Ooh. Um, something, I'm not sure if I brought this up in a previous episode of our podcast, but, uh, sentient weapons, Mm. uh, there's a little section in the DM's guide about how to deal with sentient weapons and, uh, and whether they're, you know, regardless of whether they're good or bad, uh, if they might, they might once in a while get to a point where they like decide to try and take, take you over, like possess you and, uh, yeah, you make a charisma save and if you fail, then the, the weapon, controls your actions yeah who knows maybe your symbiotic um, entity which is, is your weapon as a head I think that's sort of there's fun. a little bit of something that's drawn from this as well like the idea that the symbiotic agent you know it it doesn't have to be like a living thing it could be a sword it could be a sword it could be a an amulet or a gem or something um that holds your soul
0: captive or something like that right it's got its own agenda too, so very much so like a sentient yeah. weapon that and you I, must. That symbiotic agenda idea is where
1: I, I sort of see that connection. Mm-hmm.
0: Touch of Death, I think, is we can quickly skim over. It's just extra. It's actually This one's actually not bad at all. Um, anything grappling you or your grappling takes extra necrotic damage your unarmed strikes do extra necrotic again great for touch of the long death Mm. Uh, or shadows monks I think could be super fun or maybe some weird sun soul piece of
1: art uh, of of a dwarf um, occultist uh, in her sort of Victorian Mm. uh, garb it looks really cool being watched by several weird alien cats yeah with like too many eyes of the wrong color and size yeah Uh, that That one's for the watchers specifically where things are constantly watching you
0: this one's not as beneficial it's just I believe for an hour you can gain advantage on investigation perception although you know that's not bad and you can't be blinded but once you use it you can't do it again until you finish a long rest however you always have disadvantage on deception performance and persuasion against things that can see the watchers I don't think it I think everything can see them unless you try to hide it Um, and you have disadvantage on saves against crying spell that's a smaller thing Uh, however you can attempt to disperse or hide the watchers uh, for one minute of work in a successful dc15 animal handling using charisma check you can suppress your borrowed eyes and dread presence for one hour so essentially
1: turning off all the features of this thing to and i i would say i'd say if you've got a party of four or five characters everybody can have something
0: everyone has watchers well, no no, so the can ha- no. the whole party is everybody oh, can oh, have a different dark, dark gifts. gifts oh, that's cool. Well, that's sort. what I think what it suggests so
1: Or, like I said, you, you you think a little outside the box and you sort of think a little bit about, you know, is there, is somebody mm-hmm. going to end up with a sentient weapon at some point? And you're like, okay, that'll be their thing when it gets to them. It'll be a symbiotic being. Or is somebody, you know, somebody going to come in contact with the werewolves or, you know, like you can kind of come up with some ways that, they don't necessarily have to start, start the game with them, but that within your first arc, something's going to happen and they're going to get it. Um, yeah, maybe a couple of them pick up different things. Um, maybe somebody else seems they think they're well in the clear and then they get maybe in your sort of second arc of things. Um, and you can make it something that they even want to try and get rid of perhaps, uh, maybe there's no talk in the uh, official rules here of how you return dark gifts. What the return policy is on them? There is no return. Policy. Thirty days, no as refunds. long as you have the Sorry. receipt. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's like,
0: hey, not so sure about this. Could I I want to give it back? back.
1: Um, yeah, I think that's the bit of the part of the bargain with these things is that that then you have this other this other quest, this mini, these side quests of, you know, those who say maybe know a little bit about your curses and think oh well if you go i don't know specifically but if you go and talk to so and so you know she knows about these things and you go and find that one who then you know gives you some more clues as mm-hmm. to some of the things you might need that leaves you to the you know next level and the next level and maybe eventually you get all the three horcruxes or mcguffiny things you need to break your dark gift and yeah get rid of the things that are Making your life horrible, or do you want to get rid of them? Or do you? Mark. Maybe at that point you're also deciding, you know, maybe you I just use I, can it. Can I control one, this? I just use it one more time, <laughs> and then we're done. Yeah, because it's not all bad, right? Just one more time. Moving on to
0: subclass options. I don't think we'll actually get to the domains. Maybe we save that for a yeah, spoiler one. episode in the future. But two new subclass options, Once both, again, listed in the UA, which I believe remain similar except for some of the Tales from Beyond in the Bard. But before I get too ahead of myself, we have the Bard College of Spirits and the Warlock the Undead cla- like, subclasses. I'm a little upset they called it the Undead. I think they should get rid of the Undying, just scrap it, get rid of it as a subclass, and then just keep this instead as the new Undying. Or call this the Undying, get rid of the old one. Arata it. Get rid of the old. We, we can't have an undying and undead warlock in the same party. That's just dumb. <laughs> but before we get to that, and I go on another rant. There's the bard, of college, had, spirits. Like, the
1: undying, the undead, and then somebody plays a uh reborn. <laughs> yeah.
0: Campaign over. That's that's the party. Hey, that's actually a kind of a cool idea. I feel like the undying warlock will feel vastly underpowered uh and i will need to give them all the dark gifts
1: (laughs) (laughs) um you see that's again there's another way as a dm that maybe it's it doesn't matter what players make for a character if if somebody makes their super duper min max over like charged then don't give them a cool dark yeah everybody else gets dark (laughs) gifts and magic items and suddenly you're like okay tables balanced let's go yeah um the D, like i said we've, we've mentioned this before i i really the more you play it the more i'm like eh, i don't think you can break this game mm. it's true
0: i kind of want to I, honestly I'm, I'm quite inspired by this new bard subclass i quite like it very cool um even though we've kind of pooped on them a little bit in the past i like the i like the, the, the art, art the new there's artwork a, and honestly I'm in a
1: better mood It's a human bard of spirits and she's like flipping up a taroka deck card yeah it's uh, very cool yeah I like my taroka deck I try to work the taroka deck in all over the place um, there's a number of sort of like supplements people have written up stuff on DM's guild you can write your own doesn't matter mm. um, you know there is a lot of cards so it's nice to use somebody else's stuff um, tweak the ones that you you know, aren't as big a fan of but the idea that each card you turn over do different things. So, I've use it in different like parts of the story. If they get to a haunted house, they draw three different cards that are going to represent three different hauntings that happen inside the house. So that every time I play that house, it's going to be different. Right. Because um, people they'll draw three different cards after they come in. You could have the same party play, play, you know, differently every time. But as a DM, also it's it's kind of fun to have the game change up. Yeah. Um, and. Stroud's a bit like that. you draw cards and different things happen and I've just found more and more ways to have them draw from the deck and, uh, and see what happens. Uh, we often do stuff like if you, after you've died, not mean dead, dead, but like if your characters dropped to zero hit points and then been brought back. Hmm. that night when they sleep, we draw a card from the Taroka deck and then their fortunes of like whether bad stuff happens to them uh, in the night because they were touched by the spirit plane. Yeah. Lead depends a lot on what card they draw. It's
0: true, but to help channel some of that chaos is the new College of Spirits Bard. At third level, you gain the Guiding Whispers, which gives you the guidance cantrip, which again, doesn't count against the total number of cantrips you know it's bard, which is sort of cool. Um, and for you, it has a range of 60 feet, so you don't need to go up and touch someone every time. You can action guide, bonus action bardic inspiration, add a D4 and a D6, potentially a plus 10, which is a little crazy and a guaranteed plus two at the least. Also at third level you can use new things as your spellcasting focus uh, such as a candle, crystal ball, skull, spirit board, uh, or tarot deck. The way deck. they
1: put the words crystal ball and skull next to each other I'm like I immediately see the bowler from Mystery Men. Do you ever see that movie? Right, right. She's got like the, her father's spirit skull inside the bowling ball that flies around and attacks things i'm like oh can i do that with this class i don't know if it hurts things maybe let's explore at sixth level whenever you
0: cast this bard spell that deals damage or restore hit points you can uh through this special focus you can roll a d6 and gain a bonus to one damage or healing roll which is kind of cool so it doesn't also require you expending bardic inspiration. instead that is on the next feature from third level so you get three things at third level which is pretty good um bards typically don't get much things at higher levels and they have to be kind of front-loaded with their subclasses mm. a little bit so i find it also of
1: cool. you know the way they mentioned straight up taroka deck on this as well is lovely because mm. you yeah. can really make we a nice do other fortune, tarot cards you do have yeah, like a that, fun fortune teller sort of thing from it do.
0: yeah it's cool though i like that i like that they give you the option though you know it doesn't have to yeah. be a deck of cards but it can be and then i imagine with the skull different sort of faces could form around it as you know different cards are drawn you know for instance but speaking of that third level you're kind of hallmark features of College of Spirits is to summon spirits with the Tales from Beyond where while you're holding your spirit focus you can use a bonus action to expend a bardic inspiration and roll on the table uh, to, and you roll actually the die to see which like the bardic inspiration die to see which appears so it starts off smaller so you're only getting access to a certain number of spirits but then the table gets larger and larger and larger as you gain higher levels which is kind of a cool way to scale it in a way that doesn't even yeah. say
1: at certain levels so, you get this, this, this. Tale of the it's Mind like Bender is a twelve. You only get that later.
0: Yeah, only at much higher levels where you, you... evoke the incomparable.
1: Yeah. We don't have to go through each of these, but... fable from other of an otherworldly being.
0: Yeah, I love that it enc- encourages
1: players to try and like. You, do so you, you want to make stories you become for these more to Lovecraftian you? as time goes on? Is that how it works? Or well,
0: it why does that have to be Lovecraftian?
1: Well, the mind-bending tales of otherworldly beings kind of feels Lovecraftian
0: can be doesn't have to be it could be any sort of story you want it to be right it could be about about et <laughs> okay again talk okay. with your dm about things that are relevant about to the story you become a spielberg yeah well you maybe you're some sort of director or storytellers mm-hmm. like the bards of the college experience uh, of spirits often give voices to tales inspired some, by some greater theme or body of work um so try and consider general sort of st- what sort of stories do you tell what unites them Uh, Are they fictitious, you know, figures? Are they maybe things from constellations? You could go star type vibe, multi-class with druid circle of stars. (laughs) Uh, Are they imaginary childhood friends or like story things that you made up or characters in particular storybook? Uh, Are they general historic champions, mythological heroes or urban legends? You can really talk with your DM about what makes sense for you. I think this is like super creative. At higher levels, you get things to learn any spells if you conduct rituals with other creatures. This could also be good fun roleplay moments where you kinda try and convince NPCs to help you with your spirit session or things like that. Uh, And then at the highest levels, uh, it's just more sort of control over the spirit table where you can roll twice and choose whatever option you want. Or if you roll the same number twice, you can choose anything which is kind of cool, but that's my chart levels. So I think it's very fun. I used to think that was kind of random, that the random chance hardly made it ever useful, and that may be true, but I still think it's a very fun subclass, certainly less lethal in the wild magic sorcerer, and potentially more interesting to play from a role, uh, role-playing perspective. Secondly, we have our... Or what do you think of it? Any other comments to make um, for those college spirits?
1: Yeah, I I don't have an idea yet, but, I mean, again, just... We've I've tried to make fortune tellers before using different mm. classes, and I think it's a fun way to to try and do a less of a charlatan fortune mm. teller and one who's more truly a spiritualist of some sort, which sure. is kind of fun. I think it'd be good if you could add pick up a little telekinesis and stuff with this could be kind of fun well there's feats for that now yeah yeah from tasha that's why i'm sort of thinking like try and put some of that stuff together could kind of make it fun but yeah um i don't have an idea for it yet new hex blood perhaps hex blood college of spirits bard or i don't know. fun stuff to think about yeah doing some of those pairings i mean they yeah some of this stuff does go well together the idea of like where where do you draw your spiritual powers from Um, how did Mm. that how did that come to you and if your lineage ties into that that's even you know better for the story yeah um the undead warlock one i still like i actually quite like it yeah but okay i'm like i'm uh, i'm just a little bit like i suppose it's the same with every warlock though right the question of who's your patron Mm. and for a lot of people when they build warlocks they don't even really worry about answering the question. That's like, I'm just making a hex blade." It's, you know, patrons like, I don't know, Raven queen, something, whatever done. And for the DM, most of the time that doesn't tie into my story. So I don't really worry about it. It's just this sort of thing in the background. Um, but you look at like critical role, like Matt Mercer and what uh, really? Travis Willingham did yeah. together with, uh, make a with, big deal. with Ford being a warlock and having a, his patron being, really something that that's demonic and scary and they decide to really want to get away from and that unleashing his patron would be very bad um that he had to sever the whole tie yeah yeah yeah. and and that's great storytelling and i sort of feel like as a dm i want to do that sort of thing for my warlock player as well the undead one though is uh, it is worrying a little bit because you are having to, like, the, the sort of types of beings they they sort of mention here, we're talking about, like, Demi-Liches, right? Or mm-hmm. Draco-Liches, or Undead Pharaohs, or Elusive Dark Lords, and you're like, eek. Um, this is, this is, like, stuff that's going to really complicate my story. Um, is it, though? yeah, maybe not. You're right. DM, D&D's not that breakable, but it's, it does seem to me that those are, I don't know they are they sort of feel like they you've got to find a way to like work it into the story somehow you got to find a way to tie it back in and and then i think yeah as soon as somebody said to me oh i I really want to be the undead warlock um we started started talking we started talking i'd find a way to put it into the story um i managed to do that with my current campaigns uh warlock was Arch archfey um yeah he's recently met his end but um but along the way discovered all sorts of like superpowers from their patron in this magical land connections to it started tap into it made him go crazy but hey it was good while it lasted he had a good run drawn deeper and deeper into his patron's power um and i guess that's the same with this i i guess when i think i'm worried about your patron being a demilich is or a vampire tyrant these are not these are not friendly happy patrons that are out there to love you they are yeah maybe but I that's, that's the case appeal. of a lot of the warlocks
0: patrons right yeah sure Patrons can be far more distant you know i think why not
1: you know i think there's many different ways um, to do things i think if you going to draw them into the story you do I think need to di- i think there's you do need to take some time strokes, and sort of you know, figure out that how out you're going to do this uh, with your dm maybe let your dm in terms who knows of knows the world mm, better pick the patron for you
0: in terms of what you get you get i think very fun thematic spells phantom steed speak with dead phantasmal force spain death ward anti-life shell cloud kill i think it's all very fun yeah um, you're like a little mini lich well I, you're a mini dread thing you're a mini undead taking well, on that sort of stuff i yeah. love how the familiar in the picture is like kind of skeletal yeah i love that idea
1: well that's that the whole transformation the whole feature the whole the attic, set there's an attic in uh it's good in a house in in valaki that's got skeleton cats
0: i think it's it's a great subclass in the past I, I i don't think much has changed in the past i've kind of like meh, meh meh about it i think i actually quite like it i think the explosion thing to me now it's instead of you exploding it's just dark energy releasing from you which i think is okay Um, I think also the spirit projection stuff is fun. I love the grave touch feature, I think, too. I think it all works fairly well. Yeah. I I like it. I could see a very fun type of roleplay from this. I could see a very unique kind of warlock. I think it expands on things that already exist. I think it's great. I like it a lot. I'm a fan. Personally. Personally. I would love to see someone play it or play it myself. And finally, on general background features, there's new things on inheriting, wandering the mists, being spirit mediums of spirits, being a survivor of trauma uh, throughout some dread domain or traveler of, of different things. I love the picture here as well of uh, a knight of the circle taking up her ancestor's sacred charge to challenge the dark. Very fun photo there as well i love the effects with the the ghosts that look there uh horror personality traits and ideals and bonds and flaws to help shape you redoing the haunted one uh making new hiring events and also the new investigator background i think is great too maybe could work well for rook font um as well as a bunch of new fun horror trinkets like a d100 table like we didn't have enough trinkets i actually love these sorts of tables so i don't know it's all quite cool to me I think as well it's actually got me back in the vibe for sort of a horror type thing i think we're over the hour mark
1: already this week so we will have to save the domains of dread for another week. um yeah i've i've consulted my spirit board and uh, asked it if uh if there will be another episode of like dragon like sun that deals with van richten's god Ravenloft, and it's saying to ask again later. It says, no, it says, it says, uh, outlook promising. What if that, what if you were like, your thing was like a magic eight ball? Yeah. The spirit, <laughs> spirit boards and magic eight balls are kind of the same thing. Yeah. Um, a but possessed yeah, that's a, magic eight balls. Yeah. Ball. That actually, now that you say that, I, I really want to, and again, you were mentioning earlier, like, how do you put a little humor into your horror setting? You're like, oh, I, you know, the spirit board thing's hilarious i've i've put spirit boards in the game before like mm. obviously like out for players to touch and the minute they see them they're like nope uh-uh not touching it no way <laughs> i think it's almost like as as not even the character but the player themselves is creeped out by them yeah. where if i put like a magic eight ball on the table they all are going to like pick it up and shake it pick it up and shake it pick it up and <laughs> shake yeah. it and it's still the same thing you're still like it's like a a medium that you can talk to you know from the undead to the players yeah it's cool it's cool but um yeah spirit boards scare the hell out of people i don't know why (laughs) at least my current like some of my current players won't touch them for sure yeah well the spirit
0: board is saying that we must end the episode here sadly otherwise the dark forces will come for us however we will return through the mists once again next week what they don't know is that we can never die that's right so watch out (laughs) <laughs> all right bye folks see y'all next week bye